Fuji releases a 102 megapixel medium format mirrorless camera. Yangnu has just released a new autofocus Canon EF to Sony E mount adapter. Canon's roadmap for 2019 and Sony just slashed prices on its mirrorless cameras. All this on episode 22 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 22. I want to thank all of our listeners for rating, subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and any other pod software that they might be using. We appreciate you all and thank you all so much for being part of this podcast. So, in episode 22, this episode of the podcast, the first subject I want to talk about is Fujifilm's new GFX. 100 model medium format mirrorless camera. Now, Fuji has just released this camera. It has a 102 megapixel sensor. It is a compact and lightweight body. This is per Fuji. I'm getting this data from Fujifilm's website. Weather resistant structure, 55 millimeter diagonal length large format CMOS sensor, X processor 4 in-body image stabilization, 4K30 movie, 10-bit color depth on the 4K30 movie mode, and phase detection pixels across the entire sensor. Now this is a new monster of a camera, and Fuji's been making uh, mirrorless medium format cameras for a while now. This is their new heavyweight, and as far as physical size, it's fairly similar in size to the Canon 1DX Mark II or the Nikon D5, more or less. Um, but it, like I said, it does sport a 102 megapixel sensor. The new sensor specifically developed for this camera measures approximately 55 millimeters diagonally and boasts an effective pixel count of approximately 102 million. When combined with the fourth generation X processor 4, it delivers the world's finest level of image quality, quality with exceptional color reproduction unique to Fujifilm and the ultra-sharp Fujinon GF lenses. Generally speaking, the higher the pixel count an image sensor has, the higher the likelihood of camera shake. To avoid this threat, Fuji has image uh, to their image quality, Fuji has designed in-body Im image stabilization specifically for the new 102 megapixel large format sensor, sensor, which gives up to five and a half stops of image stabilization. The GFX100 inherits GFX50S's popular detachable EVF system that can be adjusted to various angles when using the EVF tilting adapter, which is the EVF-TL1, the world's highest class resolution 5.76 million dot OEL panel, 
has been used to develop the GFX100 high definition EVF unit. The viewfinder has a magnification of 0.86 times and contains five optical glass elements, including a spherical elements, and has been specifically designed for the 102 megapixel sensor, which requires extreme focusing accuracy. Now, from what I've read on this uh, new camera, it has over, I believe it's 6,000 autofocus points, which cover the majority of the sensor. So you get fairly close to 100% coverage end to end, side to side, top to bottom. And this does look like it's definitely going to be an amazing camera system for any of you out there that are interested or are already shooting in medium format and you maybe want to upgrade to a new platform. Now the retail price on this unit is $10,000 and $10,000 is quite a bit of money, but when you compare it to some of the other medium format systems out there like the Hasselblad and the phase one camera systems, it's fairly reasonable. I mean, a Hasselblad will run you upwards of $60,000 and the phase one cameras can run, I believe you can get a refurbished used one for about $10,000. Um, a new one is going to run you, I believe, thirty to 60000 as well. Um, so Fu Fuji is definitely um, creating a little bit of competition for the other medium format manufacturers. Mostly, you know, like I said a moment ago, Hasselblad and Phase One. Now, I've never, I've, I've shot with Fujifilm cameras in the past, and I always like their cameras. They make good cameras. Um, I don't own any of their interchangeable lens cameras. Uh, I use some of their point-and-shoot cameras, their higher-end ones, a number of years back, you know, for vacation photos and stuff like that. But I have not owned any of their interchangeable lens systems. Although, you know, I've read a lot of good things about them and, and I never put down anybody's camera systems on this show. That's not what this show is about. I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter which system you go with. The important part is that you're creating, that you're being creative, that you're making beautiful images. The rest of it is all semantics. Each manufacturer excels at certain things. They're better at one thing and not as good at the other. And the other manufacturer is better at that thing, but not as good at the other thing, and so on and so forth. So it doesn't really matter. But this is definitely an impressive-looking mirrorless medium format system. I definitely would not mind picking one up myself. I don't have the $10,000 to spend on one right now. So I've been wanting to go medium format for quite a while, and... Uh, it seems like every time I'm in a position where I could probably afford to buy one, uh, I just go debating a lot and I consult with some of my old professors and they disagree. They don't think it's a good idea. You know, if you're going to use medium, if you know, you get a job where you need medium format, just rent one. I would much rather own one, especially because generally with the medium format systems, especially once you buy a, a system, you never have to buy one again, generally. Uh, the bodies last for a very long time, and any time the manufacturer puts out new software updates for it, it's basically like getting a new camera all over again. Uh, because a lot of the, the the mirrorless medium format cameras are pretty much 
they're almost like a computer with a sensor and the ability to mount a lens. Because like I said a moment ago, and, and I've heard this from photographers that own like the Hasselblads and the phase one systems. And they, you know, they basically told me, yeah, you know, anytime they release a major software update for the system that you own, it's basically like getting a brand new camera all over again because they pack so many new features and, and changes and new items into their software update. It's basically, it's basically like installing a new operating system on your existing hardware and you, bam, now you have a new camera. So that part is pretty cool. And I know, uh, like I said, just because I know mirrorless, uh, our medium format cameras are not cheap, digital medium format cameras, whether they're mirrorless or not, and also the lenses are not cheap either. So there's the the kind of catch-22 for me, even if I had the $10,000 to spend on the body, it's like, yeah, then you blow ten grand on the body. Now you got to blow another six to ten grand to get a set of lenses for it because <laughs> none of the lenses are cheap either. But it is an impressive beast of a camera and they have some really cool uh, sample images on the Fujifilm website, uh, the subsection of the website for this model that you can check out. I will put a link to the information on this new camera on the show notes for this episode and you can go and read the specs and look at the sample images for yourself and see what you think. Is this a system you might pick up? Um, or is it just something you like me, you just, uh, you like to dream about stuff like this, you know, the American way dream about things we can't afford, but would be nice to have. <laughs> so, uh, you'll have to, uh, be sure to leave a comment, um, either on the, uh, leahphotographypodcast.com website or, uh, in the Facebook group and let me know if you're planning on picking up one of these monsters anytime soon. It is definitely a, an impressive camera system. The next topic I wanted to discuss in this episode, Yongnu just released an autofocus Canon EF to Sony E-mount adapter that's only $99. Yes, you heard that correctly. Now, some of you out there listening may be familiar with Yongnu and some of you may not. Yongnu is a Chinese company that makes uh, camera accessories. They make lenses and different objects and of course they make these mount adapters and in the early days their stuff was fairly low quality um, and they were direct ripoffs of the major manufacturers so in other words you know you could buy a Canon um, EF 50 millimeter 1.8 the one they call the nifty 50 or the plastic fantastic and, you know, that lens was, I don't know, like 120 bucks or something like that. Or if you went on Amazon, you could buy the young new version of that same lens. And it was a direct ripoff of the Canon. I mean, it looked exactly like the Canon one. And you could get the young new one for like 40 bucks. So it was a substantial savings. And it was an okay lens. Um, the image quality wasn't as good as it was on the Canon Nifty 50, but it wasn't bad. Now, over the years, Yongnu has really stepped up their game. They're starting to spend more money in, in research and development and on improving their own products. Uh, they, uh, I think it was last year, they came out with their 50 millimeter 1.8 Mark II, 
um, which isn't quite as big a ripoff of the Canon 50 millimeter 1.8 STM model. That's the newest Canon Nifty 50. Um, and uh, the newer young new stuff, they're starting to make more of their lenses with metal bodies instead of all just cheap plastic stuff. So they are improving. The image quality is even getting better. And they're starting to come into their own. And, and now they've just released this EF to E Mark II lens mount adapter with autofocus for the Canon EF and EFS lenses so that you can use them on a Sony E-mount body. It's equipped with a USB socket for firmware updates, supports both phase and contrast detect autofocus. It supports Canon's image stabilization as well. And like I said, it's only $99.99. Now, according to the description of the listing, listing which was added to Amazon, it allows EF and EFS series lenses or lenses to be compatible with the E-mount camera system. It's equipped with USB interface to improve product performance, supports firmware upgrade and lens data analysis through a USB port. Has two focus systems with focusing system selection switch, supports AF focus system and mixed focus system. Both focusing systems require camera support for normal use. It is equipped with a function key and it says it is possible to achieve more practical functions in the future. Please pay attention to the official announcement from them to get the latest information. And it has a one quarter inch screw hole at the bottom so it can be installed on a tripod or other fixed bracket system easily. So in other words, you can use this mount adapter to not only put, let's say, one of your large Canon lenses on a Sony E-mount body, you know, like the 100 to 400 Mark II L lens, wildlife lens, and if you didn't have the tripod leg ring that comes with the 100 to 400, well, you don't have to worry about it because this mount adapter has a plate on the bottom of it that's part of the mount, and it has a quarter inch screw hole so that you could use that to attach the heavy lens to your tripod or monopod or whatever you're using. Uh, it is compatible with the lens anti-shake and one particularly interesting feature of this adapter ring is that it has the function button that I mentioned a little bit ago which can be configured to perform various tasks or at least it will in the future looking at the manual for the EF to E2 adapter though it doesn't appear to do anything just yet. That's supposed to be coming in future firmware updates. It says that functionality will be coming soon and will require the update of the firmware, but not what that firmware update will allow users to do. And there's some really cool uh, uh, zoomed in uh, views of the different areas of the lens, the USB interface, the two autofocus system switch, the gold-plated electric contacts, the one-quarter-inch screw hole, the function button, as well as the lens locking latch and release. This is by far the least expensive EF-to-E mount adapter out there that allows autofocus and full electronic communication. How it'll stand up to long-standing respected adapters like the Sigma MC11 is another matter, or Metabones for that matter. A lot of people like to use the Metabones adapters. The MC-11 wasn't always as good as it is today, so 
there's room for, you know, for this adapter to grow, especially with the ability to update its firmware using a USB port that's built into the adapter itself. So I could definitely see this as being something really cool for those of you that have decided to go, have decided to move from Canon to Sony bodies, but you didn't want to lose money by getting rid of all your Canon L glass. Um, so you want to use your Canon L glass with your new Sony E-mount body. You can now use this adapter instead of some of the more expensive options. Um, you may want to rent one and try it out first or possibly um, maybe get one from Amazon, which has a really good return policy. So that way, if you try it out and you don't like it, you can always, you know, return and get your money back and you're not really out anything. Now, you will be able to find more details about this adapter on the Young New website, and I will include a link to the website in the show notes for this episode so that you can check it out for yourself. And let me know what you think. If you decide to pick one up, whether it's on Amazon or elsewhere, and give it a try, feel free to leave a comment um, with it on this episode and let me know how it worked out for you. If it did work as advertised or if it didn't work, what kind of issues you ran into, feel free to share that information with all of my listeners. And, you know, it's always good to help people out in any way you can. So if you're one of the first people to grab one of these adapters and try it out with your Sony email body, sharing that knowledge and your experience with the other listeners is always greatly appreciated. Now, the next item I want to get onto is Canon's roadmap for 2019, which includes an EOS R camera, supposedly, that nobody is currently expecting. Now, according to Canon rumors, they've been told by a fairly reliable source of theirs who has a good track record, but not a perfect track record. Uh, this is a little bit of what we can expect the rest of the way from Canon in the 2019 calendar year. First up, it's not a secret anymore but we're going to get the Canon EOS 90D. Now, if you remember, I talked about the possibility of the 90D in a couple of my earlier episodes. And I also did mention in one of the previous episodes that the 7D Mark II will not get a replacement, that Canon is discontinuing the 7D line. And I know a lot of users of the 7D and 7D Mark II were really bummed out when I mentioned that in the episode when I talked about that. And the 7D is a very, very capable and popular camera. It's not super expensive. It's capable of, I believe it's 10 frames a second. So it's a good, inexpensive, albeit crop body, uh, crop sensor body. Uh, but it works great for shooting sports, especially, you know, fast-paced sports like baseball, football, NASCAR, anything like that. And it's a very capable camera with a great image sensor, and it just makes fantastic images. And a lot of people are really, really happy with that camera, and they were hoping, including my uh, my friend Jeff Harmon from the Master Photography Podcast. Uh, he shoots high school sports a lot, and he and a lot of my other friends that have the 7D Mark II have been hoping that Canon was going to announce the 7D Mark III this year, but they did uh, make it known about a month ago that they are actually discontinuing the 7D line. And the rumors have been swirling that they were actually going to release a hybrid or combination body um, because the ADD is already out there and they, 
Canon's had the double-digit D-bodies for quite a while. You know, the 10, the 20, the 30, the 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And there had been rumors that they were going to announce a 90D this year. Canon has almost all but confirmed that. And the beliefs are, and according to Canon rumors, the 90D is going to be an upgraded body from the 80D but it's going to combine technologies from both the 80D and the 7D Mark II. So the 7D Mark III is not going to happen, but Canon doesn't want to jilt their customers that have been faithfully shooting with the 7D and then the 7D Mark II. They don't want to leave them hanging high and dry and basically tell them, well, the only way you're going to get a good sports camera now is to spend $6,000 on a 1DX Mark II or Mark III when that comes out next year. Now, Canon is actually going to look out for their customers and release the 90D, which, as I said, is rumored to be a combination of the 80D and the 7D Mark II, but with upgraded hardware. So more than likely a new image sensor, uh, the new Digic 8 processors, uh, maybe it'll have dual Digic 8 processors. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But... Since that line, the 7D line is being killed off, Canon's not going to leave their, their customers high and dry that love the 7D Mark II. Now, whether they'll up the frame per second count on this new body, the 90D, it remains to be seen. Uh, like I said, I believe on the 7D Mark II, they can do, it can do 10 frames a second. Maybe they'll give, a, give a 7D shooters 12 frames a second, although more than likely they'll stick with 10. They don't want to dip too hard into their 1DX pool. The 1DX can do 14 to 16 frames a second, depending on what file format you're using, yada, yada, yada. Um, and they're not going to want to take away from the capabilities of the 1DX Mark II and the Mark III, which is rumored to be coming out the beginning of next year. So I don't think they're going to up the frame per second count at all. Or if they do, they're only going to up it by maybe one or two, maybe make it 11 frames a second or possibly 12. But that's that's kind of iffy. Now, we're also told to expect an announcement near the end of August on the possibility of that 90D. And apparently there's also a new EOS M body that will come at the same time. It has been described to use a very well-spec'd and aggressively priced it's going to be a well-spec'd and aggressively priced body with Canon wanting, wanting to show that the EOS M lineup is not dead. No specifications have been provided to anyone at this time. There are no other EOS M cameras or lenses scheduled for 2019 other than this one EOS M body that's rumored to be announced at the end of August alongside the 90D. Now, what about the EOS R system? Well, the, according to CanonRumors.com, their same source is telling them that a new EOS R camera is coming later in 2019 and that it is a head-scratcher and not at all what anyone is expecting. Now, we have no idea what that means at this time, but we hope to hear some more soon what sort of niche market could benefit the EOS R. There was nothing mentioned about lenses for the RF mount, but we are assuming the remaining five RF mount lenses need to be officially announced and shipped before we see any additional 
RF mount lenses. So we already know we're getting five more lenses in the RF mount this year. Canon has already made their official announcement on those lenses. And rumors are right now that they're not going to announce any other RF lenses for 2019. But I believe according to the roadmap, they are going to be announcing some more RF lenses in 2020. So we'll have to uh, stay tuned and see what happens in that department. Now, the last uh, uh, item I wanted to touch on today is the fact that Sony has just slashed the prices on its mirrorless camera systems by up to $1,000. And that is huge. So if you've been eyeing a Sony mirrorless camera, now might be the time to pull the trigger and go ahead and pick one up. Sony has just announced a major summer sale in which the prices of many of its popular camera models have been slashed by up to $1,000. These are the lowest prices ever recorded, especially for Sony cameras, but for mirrorless cameras in general, especially full frame ones. The Step Up to Sony promotion will run until June 22nd, and the following deals are what you can expect to snag over the next few weeks in descending order of savings. The Sony A9, which currently sells for $4,498, will drop to $3,498, which is a savings of $1,000 or 22% off. At $3498, Sony's flagship camera is now the lowest price it has ever been. Features and specs include a 24.2 megapixel full-frame sensor, a 693-point AF system, 20 frame per second shooting, a 3.7 million dot OLED EF, EVF, internal 4K video recording, 5-axis image stabilization, a 3-inch 1.44 million dot tilting touchscreen, which is an LCD, and ISO, max ISO of 204,800, and it additionally has dual card slots. And of course, there's quite a bit more to it, but those are the highlights. Uh, the Sony A7R3, which normally retails for $3,198, will drop to $2,598, which is a savings of $600 or 19% off. Features and specs of the A7R3 include a 42 megapixel full frame backside illuminated sensor, a 399 point AF system, 10 frames per second shooting, 4K video with HLG and S-Log3 gammas, a 3.69 million dot TrueFinder OLED EVF, a 3 inch 1.44 million dot tilting touchscreen, and 5-axis image stabilization with the high-end ISO being at 102,400. And of course, there are other specs uh, available on that camera as well, which you can read more about uh, by going to Sony's website. I'm just going to give you the high-level portion here. The Sony A7R2, which currently sells for 1,998, will be dropping to 1,498 or $500 off, which is 25%. The A7R2 may be the predecessor of the R3, but it still packs a mean punch. Features and specs include a 42 megapixel full frame sensor, 399 point AF system, five frame per second burst mode, 
internal 4K with S-Log2 gamma, 5-axis image stabilization, in-body image stabilization, a 2.36 million dot TrueFinder OLED EVF, a 3-inch 1.23 million dot tilting LCD, and a top ISO range of 102,400. The Sony A7S II normally sells for $2,398. You'll be able to pick this body up for $1,998, which is $400 off for a savings of 17%. The A7S II is renowned for its low-light abilities. Features and specs include a 12.2-megapixel full-frame sensor, internal 4K video S-Log3 gamma, 5-axis in-body image stabilization, a 2.36 million dot TrueFinder OLED EVF, a 3-inch 1.23 million dot tilting LCD screen, and a top-end ISO of 409,600 with 5 frames per second continuous shooting speed. The A7 II, which is normally 1398, will be dropping to 898, which is $500 off or 36% off. Now, of course, this is an older body, but it's still a darn good body, and you can't go wrong with picking one of these up, especially at that price. Features and specs for the A7 II include a 24.3 megapixel full-frame sensor, 5-axis in-body image stabilization, hybrid AF, 5-frame per second continuous burst mode, full HD video with S-Log2 gamma, a 2.36 million dot OLED EVF, a 3-inch 1.23 million dot tilting LCD, and many more features as well. And last but not least, the Sony A7 II and Sony FE 28-70 combo kit. Uh, the 28-70 is an F3.5 to F5.6 OSS M, uh, lens, which is their optical stabilization lens, I believe is what OSS stands for. Uh, normally retails for $1598, but during this sale, you will be able to get this bundle for $998, which is $600 off or 38% off. You are getting the Sony A7 II bundled with the versatile $398 Sony FE 28-70 F35-56 OSS lens for a nice savings of 38% off the entire kit. Now, these are only some of the special deals in the Step Up to Sony Summer Sale. You can find out the complete list of included products by going to the website, and I will, of course, put that link in the show notes for this episode. So, what do you think about all of this? Uh, Sony has announced this huge sale, and of course, it's because they're trying to steal a bigger piece of the pie in the interchangeable lens camera market, or ILC market. Now, I did also read uh, this week that Sony has taken the number two spot from Nikon. So Canon is still number one in the interchangeable lens camera market, but Sony has now passed Nikon and moved up to the number two slot. And they keep saying that their, their goal long-term is to take over the number one spot and to hold it for as long as possible. Uh, whether or not they'll be able to pull that off, I don't know. It may be possible because Sony has been a serious threat to Canon and Nikon ever since they started doing the full-frame mirrorless bodies, especially. 
And they're currently ahead of everybody else um, because they were the first ones to do mirrorless full frame bodies. Um, technologically, they're ahead of Canon and Nikon. Most people say by five years, which is probably true. But as I've mentioned in previous episodes, Canon especially, I don't think it's going to take them long to catch up with Sony. And the reason why I say that again is because Canon, uh, like Sony, has very deep pockets. Their, their portfolio is very diverse as far as technologies and platforms that they make their money off of. They only make a small portion of their money off their interchangeable lens cameras. Uh, Canon makes a lot of their money off their medical imaging equipment, stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to take Canon long to catch up to Sony. A lot of the Sony fanboys will say, oh, Canon's already got, or Sony's already got a five-year head start. Canon will never catch them. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that thinking, Cupcake, because I don't think it's going to take Canon more than 18 to 24 months to give Sony a serious run for its money. But anyways, I don't want to, I don't want to beat that horse to death again. I've talked about that on a previous episode. So I will go ahead and wrap up episode 22. Uh, like I said, be sure to leave a comment on the LeonPhotographyPodcast.com website or in the Facebook group. The Facebook group is free for any listeners to join. Um, I do require that you answer a question to join. Uh, the question is the name of the host of this podcast, which is myself, Liam, or you could put Liam Douglas. And the main reason why I have that question there is to keep out the spammers and bots and all of that nasty stuff. We want to keep it a, a clean, clutter-free Facebook group. And as I've mentioned before, you are free to post your own original images in the Facebook group, the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. Please do not post other people's photos in there. We don't like it when people steal other people's photographs, especially being a photographer myself. Of course, I'm not going to like that. And most of my listeners, um, not all of them, but a good share of my listeners are also photographers, and they're not going to be happy if you're stealing other people's work and trying to pass it off as your own. So let's not do that, folks. Please only post photographs that are yours, that you have taken yourself, and you're welcome to share. Don't go crazy, but you know, you're not limited to only posting one photo a day. You can put a few of them up, you know, either in a, a, a four or five at once or six at once, or you could spread them out and, you know, post one to the group every couple hours throughout the day, whatever the case may be, because I'd love to see, I love to see other people's work in photography. And I always try to be as supportive of other people's work as much as possible. And if you do ask, you don't have to, but if you decide to post a photo and ask for uh, constructive criticism. You're allowed to do that as well. And I, I will give you my objective opinion. And it's not gospel. I'm not the world's foremost expert on photography. But if you if you would like a CC, you, you can post your photo and ask for one. Now, next week will be episode 23. And I'm going to try to line up another interview. I haven't done one for a few weeks. We'll see how it goes. I have a couple of people that I'm reaching out to. Um, and I also will be doing an episode that will be a review of the new Rokinon MF 14mm f2.8 RF mount lens. Now, Rokinon uh, Samyang, which is the company that owns Rokinon, uh, had announced a little bit earlier this year that they were going to be the first third-party manufacturer to release RF mount lenses. They have done so. The RF 14 millimeter lens came out 
not too long ago, and, and uh, I've been trying that one out for my full-time real estate photography job, and I really love it. It's a fantastic lens. So I may be doing a review of that lens for next week's episode, or I might be hopefully doing an interview. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap up episode 22 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Thank you once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and I will see you next time.